Good morning once again to all of you and a special welcome to our guests who've joined us this morning. As I mentioned at the start of the service, we are in uh, part three of this series, Leaving Worry Behind, and I uh, just want to take an opportunity to um, refresh all of us or catch some of us, some of us up on where we've been in this series. And uh, throughout this series, um, we've been talking about the fact that worry is something that affects all of us. Whether Christians or not Christians, worry is just something that kind of goes with life. And so for some of us, there's seasons of our life where worry seems to take over a much larger area, and there are seasons of life where worry seems to be not as big a factor in our lives. But all of us, we all deal with worry from time to time in our lives. So it's something that affects all of us. And it, it affects us in a, a lot of different ways, whether it's physically, um, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Um, it just affects us all in a lot of different ways, and it's just a part of our lives. And worry, as we've been talking about, the thing that really fuels worry is fear. The thing that fuels worry is fear. It's fear of, basically, the unknown. It's fear of, how is this going to work out? How is that going to work out? What's going to happen with this part of my life? What's going to happen with that part of my life? And that fear of the unknown is the thing that fuels the worry and the anxiety that's a part of our lives. And One of the things that we've talked about, and nobody likes to admit this, but one of the things we've talked about in this series is that for all of us, the future is uncertain. We like to think to ourselves, well, no, I've got things on the calendar for tomorrow. We've got some Labor Day plans. I've got things on the calendar for next week and next month and and vacation and things like that. But really, for all of us, the future is something that is uncertain. None of us actually knows what will happen to us tomorrow. And so that sense of uncertainty at times in our lives can cause us a good deal of fear which causes us that fuels that that worry and that anxiety that we all have as a part of our lives and the truth is is that even for christians we face times of worry and anxiety as we look at the future which is unknown and that causes us uncertainty so all of us deal with that from time to time in our lives and The thing that's curious to me about worry and anxiety is that it's the uncertainty of the future, the unpredictability of the future, which causes us to worry, but worry in and of itself is not really um, a hard thing to figure out. In fact, I would say that worry is actually a very predictable thing. So even though the unpredictability of the future causes us to worry, worry in and of itself is very predictable. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Worry likes to boss us around. Worry likes to tell us that this certain thing is going to happen in the future. Do we know that's going to happen? No, but worry like tries to convince us and boss us around and tell us that no, this is going to happen. Or that this is going to happen or that's going to happen. And it likes to tell us that these, you know, with certainty that these are the things that will happen. It's not going to work out. It's just not going to work out. That was your plan, and that's not going to work out, and that's not going to work out either, and convinces us to believe that worry is correct, so it bosses us around. Another thing that makes worry predictable is that worry is very impatient. When, when we're worried, think about a time in your life when you've been really worried, you've been very anxious, it makes us very impatient. We want an answer, and we want an answer now. So we're going to look here, and if that doesn't work, then we're going to look over here, and if that doesn't work, we're going to look here. If that doesn't work, we're going to turn to God, and he doesn't seem to work, and then we're going to go over here. And we just kind of, it's kind of bouncing all over the place because we need an answer, we want an answer, and we want it now. 
And so you throw those two things together, you throw around the fact that, that worry bosses us around and that worry makes us very impatient. And I think for a lot of us, when we are anxious in life, we can end up feeling like we're a pinball in a, in a pinball machine. And we're just kind of getting thrown all over the place and back and forth and back and forth and we, we really lose sight of the, you know, what's going on in our lives. And it's kind of rush here, rush there, rush here, rush there, just looking for answers and trying to figure this out. And we want answers and we want them now. So it makes us very impatient. And worry and anxiety, the uncertainty of the future, oftentimes gets us to simply react to the circumstances that are going on in our lives. To simply, like, I've got to do this now, I've got to do this now, I've got to do this now, and just to be reacting to the uncertainty of the future. And my question for you this morning is, do we as Christians, are we simply to react to the uncertainty of the future or are we to respond to the certain uncertainty of the future? Now, some of you are maybe thinking, what's the difference, react or respond? Let me give you an example. You go to the doctor, he gives you some medicine, And he tells you to come back in a few days. So you come back a few days later, you walk into his office, and the doctor says to you, oh, your body's reacting to the medicine. What he means by that is it's not going the way that it's supposed to. Your body's not handling things the way that he wanted it to. But if you walk into his office a few days later and he says, oh, your body's responding to the medicine. What he means by that is things are going according to plan. Things are going the way that he would want them to. All right? And so the question is, for us as Christians, when we face the uncertainty of the future, which can so easily cause us to become worried and anxious, are we to react to the uncertainty of life or are we to respond? And if it is to respond, then what does that look like? Now, you can probably already guess that we're going to be talking about responding to uncertainty rather than reacting to uncertainty. And the good news for us is that Christians 2,000 years ago had things to worry about in their lives as well. And so Jesus addresses this whole topic of worry. The Apostle Paul is going to address this whole topic of worry for us as well this morning from Philippians chapter 4. Now, as Paul responds and as Paul talks about anxiety in our lives, he's going to say some things that at first blush, We're going to want to throw up our hands and be like, Paul, you have no idea what it's like to be anxious. Paul, you have no idea what it's like to worry. Paul, you have no idea what it's like to have an uncertain future because these things, they just sound so off base for what we we would be talking about when we're anxious. So just to kind of put that aside a little bit, let me just talk about where Paul's at as he's writing these words. Apostle Paul, many years before he wrote this, Uh, was a man who persecuted Christians. That was his, basically his livelihood, to put Christians to death. God calls him to faith, and then God sends him out to be basically the greatest Christian missionary the world has ever known. So Paul goes out, he's now working for God, he's doing great things for God, and because of that, he gets arrested. And as part of that, He appeals, he's a Roman citizen, so he appeals to have a trial in Rome. So along the way, he gets sent to Rome, he's shipwrecked along the way. Now, in our day and age, if if you're shipwrecked, if you think back to Italy uh, about a year and a half ago, um, you know that being shipwrecked can be a dangerous thing. In fact, even in our day and age, it can be a deadly thing. 
Now think back 2,000 years ago. They didn't even have band-aids 2,000 years ago. So being shipwrecked was something that was extremely dangerous. So Paul, he, he was shipwrecked. He survives. God keeps him safe. He eventually makes his way to Rome. And now he's in prison awaiting trial for being a Christian. And he does not know there are, there's one of two outcomes that will come of this trial. Either he will be set free or he will be killed. It's one or the other. And so Paul, as he's writing this letter, he's in chains in Rome. Oh, and let me remind you, who's emperor at this time? In case you want to guess, his name starts with an N and it ends with an O. Nero. In case you're not familiar with that name, Nero loved Christians. In fact, he loved Christians so much, he loved to use them for entertainment. He loved to feed them to the lions. He loved to light them on fire and use them as torches at his party. Okay, so here's a man who's bent on destroying Christianity and Christians. Now, Paul is in Rome, under Nero, in prison for being a Christian, and the outcome is he will either be set free or killed. So when Paul writes to us about worry and anxiety and the uncertainty of the future, Paul understands in fact, I would say, I would dare to say that Paul probably understands the uncertainty of the future better than any of us ever have. And so, as he says things this morning that might seem out of place, just let his words take root and just listen to what Paul has to say. So, he's writing. He's writing to a group of Christians in the city of Philippi. And uh, he's writing to them during a time of um, anxiety within their church. There's been some infighting. There's been some struggles. Um, Things aren't going well. People are uneasy about that. And so these words are meant for them. These words are meant for us as we face uncertainty and anxiety in our lives as well. And so the Apostle Paul begins, Philippians 4, verse 4, and this is what he's got to say. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So when Paul starts to address this whole conversation of anxiety and worry, he starts off by saying, Rejoice in the Lord always. To which we think, are you kidding me? Rejoice? Rejoice in the Lord in anxiety. And guess what? Paul knew that we would be thinking that. So he says, I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. Now what does that mean? Rejoice. Rejoice and being happy are not one and the same. Rejoice is not the same where where happiness is, I've got a smile on my face when things are going well, and my happiness disappears when things aren't going well, and all of a sudden I have a frown. So our happiness so oftentimes is attached to the circumstances of life. Joy is something that is consistent. Joy is is something that is based not on circumstances. Joy is something not based on feelings. Joy is something not based on, you know, what's going on around us, but joy is based on the Lord. And so there is consistency in joy because there is consistency in God's faithfulness. There is consistency in God's love. There is consistency in God's grace. And so despite what circumstances look like in our lives, despite the ups and downs of life, God's love remains the same, and that's where joy is found. 
And so for all of us, there is joy throughout all circumstances of life. There can be joy for all of us through all circumstances in life because joy, as Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always because the Lord is consistent. And so he starts off this whole conversation and I think he, he, he throws this out there at the beginning to really get our attention because when we're anxious and when we're afraid of uncertain times in the future, probably the last thing that's coming to our mind is to rejoice. And so Paul kind of, I think, stops us dead in our tracks. And he says, look, I know you're anxious. I know you're fearful. I know the future is uncertain in your life, and you don't like that. But you can still rejoice in the Lord. Always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Then he goes on, he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Let me ask you. When you're anxious... When you're fearful about the future, when you feel like your life is just bouncing back and forth and trying to find answers and just, you know, all of the anxiety that goes with it, do you tend to be very gentle or calm or collected when you're anxious? I know I don't. <laughs> I know when, when I'm anxious and when I'm worried, there, there is just all of this uncertainty and all of this back and forth and it's very hard to be, to be calm and to be gentle. And what Paul does though is he says, you can be calm, collected, gentle in the midst of anxiety. Why? Because the Lord is near. The Lord is near. How oftentimes when we're anxious about life, how oftentimes don't we feel as if we are all alone? How often when life is uncertain and things don't seem to be going our way, don't we feel like we have been abandoned by the people in our lives and maybe even abandoned by God? And so Paul reminds us that even in anxiety, the Lord is near. And we can be certain of that. Jesus is always near to us in our lives. And I, and I hope you're starting to get the sense of what Paul's doing here. What Paul, I think, is really doing is he's really trying to slow us down. Because so often when we are anxious about life, we're running from here to there and we're looking for those answers and we get so much into this just react to the circumstances mode and this whole idea of responding that Paul is trying to, I think, lay out for us today starts with this whole concept of we just need to slow down. When life is uncertain, we just need to slow down when we become so anxious and fearful and worried about the uncertainty of the future. And so he stops us and he says, rejoice in the Lord. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near to you. And then he's going to go on, verse 6. And I think, to me, this is one of the most important verses of what we're looking at today. He goes on in verse 6, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, this is another one of those verses where we could throw our hands up in the air and be like, Paul, you have no idea what you're talking about. You have no idea what my work life is like. You have no idea what my commute's like. You have no idea what my, my coworkers are like. I can't even watch The Office. It just hits too close to home. Paul, that's my life. You don't understand. And yet Paul understands. And he can tell us, don't be anxious about anything. And then he goes on and he talks about prayer. Now, it's very easy, I think, to read verse 6 
And to take away as what Paul is saying is, all right, when life's uncertain, you got to pray about it. Okay, so when things aren't going well, then just say a quick prayer. How often don't our lives reflect that, right? Need a job? God, help me with a prayer, or help me with a job. Amen. Somebody's not feeling well in our lives. Somebody's sick. God, help them be better. Amen. And our, our prayer life can become very much of just, you know, based on our circumstances. And it just become circumstantial prayers where I need this, God, help this. Amen. I could really use this in my life. God, provide this. Amen. And then what happens with that is that we, we tie God and basically our faith in God to the outcome of that prayer. What we do is we say, I need a job. God, help me with a job. Amen. Now I'm waiting for you, God, to provide me for a job. And when I see you come through, well, then my faith, you know, then my faith is good. If you're not going to come through, well, then, you know, and we, we end up having this very circumstantial faith. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't pray for a job, okay? Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you shouldn't pray for God to heal someone when they're sick, okay? We should say those prayers. Is that what Paul's getting at here? I don't think so. Look at what Paul's saying again. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, even the uncertainty of the future, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. When you're anxious and you say that 10-second prayer, do you count your blessings as you pray? Because that's what I think Paul's getting at. When we're anxious, when we're fearful about what the future holds, one of the things that Paul tells us that we should be doing is counting our blessings. Because even in the midst of uncertainty, even in the midst of the anxiety of life, there are still blessings that are a part of our life. God's goodness is still there. It's the problem is, is that oftentimes we allow the uncertain circumstances of life and the, you know, the fearfulness of life to drown out the continued blessing of God that is a part of our life, even in that uncertainty. And so Paul says to us, I want you to count your blessings. When, when, when you're anxious and when you're worried and we're just kind of slowing this whole thing down, before you even talk about what's going on in your life, one of the things that we're to do is to count our blessings because God's goodness is a part of our life even in uncertainty and even in anxiety. His goodness is still there. So slowing things down, don't be anxious. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now that last phrase, present your request to God, I'll admit that at first glance that looks like, all right, now here's the point where you say, help me with a job, amen. Help them be better, amen. Present your request, that's my request. I just want to let you know that I think Paul means something a whole lot deeper there than we might get out of it at first glance. The Greek there, that word for present it's got this idea of unveiling something. It has this idea of unwrapping a mystery, something that wasn't previously known. You're now making this thing known. So we're talking about something more than just I need a job, more than I need somebody to be sick or I need to feel better. We're unveiling something that is unknown. And what are we unveiling? The word that we have in our Bibles is requests. But that Greek word is something really specific. 
really detailed about what is going on in our lives. And so what Paul is saying is, when you're anxious, you need to pray about that. Count your blessings, and then you need to unveil what that deep desire is that you need. What that deep longing is that you're looking for. Let me give you a couple of examples. You lose your job, okay? So I'm talking to you, you lost your job, and you're like, I, I need a job. And I ask you, you know, why, why is it so important to you that you find a job? Well, I, I mean, I just need a job. I need to be able to, to uh, provide for my family. Well, why is it so important to you that you provide for your family? Well, you know, if, if I don't have a job and I can't make money, well, then I can't, I can't provide for my family and my family's not going to be taken care of. So what you really want is the certainty of knowing that your family is taken care of. What you really want is the security for your family members. Guess what? Who has provided security for your family up until this point? God has. Who has provided for your family up until this point? God has. And so while on the surface level, we look at it and we say, I need a job, it's much deeper than that. And what we really need and what we really want is security for our family. And guess what? In this sinful world, nothing in this world will provide the security that we so desperately want for our family. But God can. And he does. Ah, oh, I just, I really need a job. I really want a job. Well, why is it so important to you that you have a job? Well, come on, I mean, look, I mean, people don't treat you very well if you have a job. People look down on you if you don't have a job. All right, so what do you really want? I really want acceptance. I really want approval. I really don't want people to judge me based on the fact that I don't have a job. Well, guess what? Who can provide the acceptance, the approval, and the unconditional love that your heart desperately wants? God can. And he does. And so there is much, much more to, the, to these, these desires that we have, these things that we think we need. There is a much deeper understanding to what it is that we really need. And when you get down to those deepest desires and those deepest longings that we all have, what we realize is that in this sinful world, we will never find the answers to those desires. But every single time we dig down to those deepest desires and longings that we have, we will find a God who is able to meet all of our needs. And so what Paul is saying is that when you're anxious, when you're fearful, when you're worried about the uncertainty of the future, and it seems like things are just kind of all out of place and nothing's going to work out, you just need to slow down. And you need to rejoice in the Lord. You need to remember that the Lord is near. You need to count your blessings. You need to remember that the Lord, your God, your Heavenly Father, is the one who is able to provide for all of your needs. And then he goes on and he says, and the peace of God, 
which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. Unlike any peace that this world can give, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, is found in Jesus Christ. The peace of God is found in that grace of God. That peace of God is found in that forgiveness of God. That peace of God is found in our Savior Jesus, who meets all of our needs. And so Paul is saying, you just just slow this thing down here. Just look at what's really going on. And yes, I know the the future is uncertain. Yes, I know that can cause anxiety. But remember who God is. Remember that your deepest desires and longings in life are met by a gracious heavenly Father. And there you will find peace. So he says we need to listen to what our fear is saying. We need to listen then to what God is saying in response to our fear. Then he goes on, he makes a little bit of a transition here, and he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, when you're anxious, when you're worried about life, when things aren't working out the way you would want them to, where does your mind tend to run? Where does your mind seem to dwell when things aren't going well? Our sinful minds tend to dwell on all of the bad things that are going on. I can't believe that didn't work out. I can't believe that happened. I can't believe that happened. And nothing's going my way. And everything, nothing's going to work out. And we, we become basically false prophets. And we kind of take ourselves down this road where nothing's going to work out. And nothing good is ever going to happen. That's where our minds like to take us when life is uncertain. What does Paul say? Think about what's ever true. What's right what's noble, what's excellent, what's praiseworthy. What's true? What's true is that you have a God who loves you. What's true is that no problem you will ever face in your life is bigger than your God. What's right is that God's unconditional love will sustain you. What's excellent, what's praiseworthy, is that God's gracious, capable hands hold you fast. And so what Paul is saying is that we need to train our minds to stop dwelling on the bad and the negative and the the things that are wrong in our lives and to remember to think about the goodness of God. To remember and to focus our minds and our attentions on the things that God does the things that God has, do, has, has done in our lives and the things that God will do in our lives. And then he says, verse 9, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul is saying, look, I know what it's like to be anxious. I know what it's like to face the uncertainty of the future. I'm, I'm doing that right now. I don't know if I'm going to live, remember? And what Paul is saying is, look, I I practice what I preach. The reason I, Paul, right now in prison, chained to a Roman guard, not certain if I'm going to live to see another day, the reason I can rejoice, 
The reason I can be gentle and calm, the reason I cannot be anxious, is because I'm remembering who my God is. And I'm remembering everything that he's done for me. And he says that we are to pattern our lives off of him. That we are to pattern our lives off of thinking about the goodness of God, remembering the faithfulness of God. That we are to, to get down to those deep desires and longings that we all have and to realize that God is the only one that is able to meet them. He has met them in the past. He will continue to meet them into the future. And then he says, and the God of peace will be with you. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say that your circumstances will change. He doesn't say that your circumstances will work out the way you want them to. What he says is that the God of peace will be with you. The God of certainty, the God of faithfulness, the God of security, the God of unconditional love, the God of peace will be with you. When you face uncertainty in life, when I face uncertainty in life, we can simply react to it. And we can allow worry to boss us around, and we can allow worry to make us impatient and to make us feel like that pinball and that pinball machine, like we're just kind of all out of control and nothing's going to work out. We can just react. Or we can respond based off of a God who loves us. Based off of a God whose grace is enough. Think about that. It's God's grace that has brought you to this very moment in your life. It's God's grace throughout every moment of your life that continues to sustain and to strengthen and to keep and to guard you. And he's brought you to this point in, his, in your life. And God's grace, God's grace which is capable, God's grace is enough for tomorrow and the day after and the week after and the month after the, and the year after. God's grace is enough for the job loss, for the sickness, for the hardship, for the heartache, for the death, God's grace is enough. And so Paul tells us that we are to respond to the anxiety of life by slowing this whole thing down and remembering who God is and remembering that God's grace is enough. Amen.